Welcome to Write Good, the podcast that helps you write good. I'm R.S. Benedict, and in this episode, we're going to talk about writing with sensory details. When I'm reading amateur fiction, I often get a feeling some writers call white room syndrome. White room syndrome means that a scene lacks a sense of grounding or place, like it's happening in an empty, featureless void. This can be used intentionally to develop a sense of dissociation or alienation, but most of the time, it isn't. Instead, it means that the writer hasn't fully realized the world of the story, or has failed to connect us and the characters to it. Stories with white room syndrome are hard to get into. They're bland. Would you want to spend much time in an empty room? Probably not. So how do we avoid these white rooms? We fill them up with sensory details. That's not to say you should jam-pack every scene with unnecessary information like a hoarder. Instead, carefully cultivate details like you've just gotten into KonMari. One or two carefully placed background details, a weird piece of furniture in a room, a notable book on the shelf, a striking article of clothing on a character, a memorable song playing on the stereo, an unexpected smell. All of these things can create a powerful atmosphere, bring the setting of your story to life, or tell us about a character's values. It's like environmental storytelling in a video game. The Fallout series efficiently shows us how the nuclear disaster went down by carefully placing skulls next to a toilet. In order to cultivate these details, you need to develop a sense of observation and awareness in real life. Get out of your own head. Start noticing things. Gather little details and store them in your notebook or in your brain, like a squirrel gathering nuts for the winter. Make sure to go beyond what you see and hear, too. As observers, we rely too much on sight and sound, probably because so much of our entertainment is only audiovisual, TV, video games, movies. But the other three senses, touch, taste, and smell, are intensely intimate and deeply personal. Smell evokes powerful memories and emotions. To develop this sense of environmental observation, I want you to do a little exercise. This exercise is actually based on a coping skill for anxiety or dissociation. It's called the 54321 coping technique. Here's how it works. Study yourself wherever you are, and take stock of five things you can see, four things you can touch or feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Do it every so often when you get a moment, and you can do this anywhere, it doesn't have to be anywhere exciting. You can do it in your living room, at a cafe, at the park, at work, at the gym. Just take a moment and just gather details. So uh, I did this in a couple of different places, and here's what I observed. Uh, the first one is from when I was doing ellipticals, doing my cool-down session at the gym. And here it is. Five sights. A clock reading 6.30. A girl on a treadmill's ponytail bobbing. Foggy window glass by the pool. A woman in a pink shirt on the footpath outside. A woman's handbag sitting on the floor by her treadmill. Four feelings. Glutes flexing, sweat on my cheeks, elliptical hand controls that are warm and tacky, my arms rubbing on my torso. Three sounds. Music, the hum of machines, the thump of a runner's footsteps. Two smells. Moist gym air, perspiration, and one taste. Sweat on my lips. The second one is from uh, my home at night, looking out a window. Five sights. Fire escape across the alley. Light from a window splashed across the building's brick facade. A bug crawling on window glass. Red warning lights from three blinking towers in the distance. 
no stars in the sky, four feelings, an ankle going numb from being crossed too long, a lash in my eye, summer's humidity, a ponytail brushing against the back of my neck, three sounds, wind through the window, a neighbor's buzzing air conditioner, an air purifier humming, two smells, a July day's sweat dried on a dress, shrimp stir-fry, one taste, cucumber water, and the last one I'm going to go over is from the park in early afternoon. Uh, this was from June, I think. Five sights. Cottonwood snowing onto the surface of a pond. A man in a blue tank top fishing. A fat hairy guy in tidy whities sunning himself by a fountain depicting Moses getting water from a rock. A tree with dozens of knob-like growths in its bark. Cigarette butts scattered under the park bench. Feelings. Patches of sun on my skin through the trees. My knee pressing into my calf where they're crossed. Park bench slats that I'm sitting on. An ant crawling on my ankle. Sounds. A woman with a stroller yelling at her daughter Madison. A man trying to convince his cat to venture outside its carrying case. Hip-hop from a passing car stereo. Two smells. Grass. French fries. One taste. Iced vanilla latte. So hopefully, uh, some of these sensory details are evocative. I, if I were describing one of these scenes, I wouldn't mention all of them. I wouldn't discuss all of them, but depending on the atmosphere I'd want to create, maybe I'd, maybe if I'm trying to create a desolate atmosphere, I'd mention there are no stars in the sky. Or maybe if I'm trying to give, uh, a sense of a quirky place, I might go into detail a little bit about that guy having the argument with his cat just trying to reason with his cat. So every so often, I want you to try and just do this little exercise when you find yourself having some time, and you don't even have to write it down. You can just sit and observe and try and cultivate details, try and cultivate sensory details and use them in your work. And I really, really, really want you to consider the non-visual, non-audio senses, because they're incredibly powerful. And I want you to consider these senses when you're writing about people, too. We very often describe what a person looks like in our writing, but how often do you describe somebody's smell? A person's smell tells you a ton about them. Do they wear aftershave? Do they have B.O.? Do they work at a restaurant and so they smell like french fries all day and they just can't get the smell out of their hair? Maybe your parents are getting older and they're developing that unfortunate old people smell. A sense of smell, uh, the way a person smells, says a lot about the character and there's an immense emotional attachment to a person's smell. We might remember that scene from Brokeback Mountain where the character just puts his face into his, his deceased lover's shirts and just inhales deeply. And tons of male writers and male poets have talked about the smell of a woman's perfume and how distinctive that woman's particular perfume is and how important it is and how he remembers her from that. So keep these non-visual senses in mind when you write a character description, too. They're incredibly powerful and very intimate. And when you start doing this, when you start curating these sensory details for your work, you're going to end up with a much richer world, and the characters you place within it will feel much richer too, and they'll feel more grounded, they'll feel more real, they'll feel more like they're part of the world that you've created, and your readers will feel more like they're part of this world too. So that's all for this episode. If you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com slash writegood, that's R-I-T-E-G-U-D, 
and sign up. Join us next time when we talk to a special guest about Mary Sue characters. This has been Right Good with R.S. Benedict, hosted by R.S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keeley for KS Media LLC. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. For comments and concerns, please write to us at writegood at kittysneezes.com. That's R-I-T-E-G-U-D at kittysneezes.com. If you'd like to support us, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash writegood. KittySneezes.com in color. <laughs> <laughs>